Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book, and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hey, Ben, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Brian? Doing pretty good. I am uh, super pumped to do On the Air Episode 3. Episode 3, and this one did air in the United States on June 27th, 1992 on ABC. 1992? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm a child... I'm a child of the 80s, really, but the 90s is my era. That's the era I still think I'm in half the I, time. I agree with you. Me too. You know, that is like the the, the music, the, the uh, films. Yes, it the was, TV culminates from the funny, 90s. Like, you know when you had your parents and they were always like, oh, it was the 70s that I loved. And you're always like, like, what? What is it? Why are you so hung, so hung up on this decade of yours? And then when you get older, it's like, yeah, the 90s, that was the decade of Twin Peaks. Yeah, and your, your son's probably going, Dad, you talk about the 90s enough. Like, Can you get even, over it? You're not even in the, in the century. <laughs> <laughs> Get over it, Get man. Over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this was, you know, written by Bob Angles, who, you know, famous for co-writing Firewalk With Me, and of course wrote and produced uh, Twin, Twin Peaks, and directed by Jack Fisk, good friends with David Lynch, and he's directing this episode. This one was the second of three episodes that will air. In the United is, States. In the United States. So it was one, three, and five. Wow. So we're lucky enough to be talking about the one that did air in the U.S. Because uh, if you go back to episode one, we do go through about all the episodes that aired in different areas. Now, Ben, this episode, it was high on antics. It was high on cartoon foolery. It felt like I was watching a Looney Tunes cartoon this Boy, one. Boy, the sound effects. It was just me, or it seemed like there was a lot more yes. sound effect goofiness in this one than in previous shows. This one felt like a Looney Tunes cartoon because of the sound effects. It was very... Out there. Very outlandish. And yet again, this is our second episode in a row where, guess what? They're not doing the Guy Ritchie show. The Guy Lester show. Yes, they are. Well, they're doing a game show. But it is under the umbrella of the Guy Lester show. It's the, all the guy. It's like Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live has all these skits so this under was, this. See, I thought, uh, I didn't know it was a skit. I thought it was a whole, this was a whole big thing just to humiliate. No, this is under the Guy uh -huh. Lester show. Oh. And I can tell you why. Yeah, tell me why. Because we have the live show, and the announcer mentions the Guy Lester show, and then we have Guy kind of doing his miming near the uh, uh, the light post and stuff. Right. So it's the same. It's the show. Okay. But, I mean, we're just <coughs> but, focused on this one thing. But I'll say that, again, this is why I think they got rid of the second episode is because this one is similar than to the first one, where you have the rehearsals, and then you have uh, them actually putting on the live show. Whereas the second episode is they were rehearsing, but then they went to a restaurant. I actually like the restaurant one better than this episode. Me too. 
But I see why they wanted to keep the structure. Like I, said, I gave the example last time that the office. Like it seemed to me weird that the the concept is <laughs> the office, and then you go the next episode. You're going to a bar and hanging out there. At cheers. Yeah, at yeah, cheers. yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought the story was about. Yeah. But this one was similar to the second one because it was all about Lester trying to make a fool. Out yes. Of her. I mean, it's, it's there's a little bit of continuity in that the last one we learned that Lester and Bud, the president there, are getting together and they're going to take down uh, Betty. Betty. Yeah. And so you kind of have a continuation where now that's Lester's sole purpose is to take down Betty. The, the first image we start off on is there's like a hole and you're looking in and you just see legs and it's the director directing these women. And then you see the point of view of just an eyeball through the megaphone. And to me, this seems a little disturbing, and it seems like a peeping Tom, or I don't know. It's there's, there's a little more sexuality in this episode. He doesn't know how to work the megaphone. I know, but the images we're seeing. But it's like a peep show. Yes. It's like a peep show. Back in the day, you know, people would look through a hole and watch a, uh, like a burlesque dance or a yeah, with legs. Right. And that would be the entertainment. Yeah. And I think that was harking back to that. Because right. this takes place in the 50s, doesn't it? Uh, 57, I believe. 57. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of I thing know, was I mean, kind of I still common. think that you, the people that are making this show have yes. decided to use that imagery. And I'm sure there's a point there. And But to me, it just kind of goes back to even uh, the Miss Twin Peaks and the same actor directing where it seems like, show more of your cleavage. Eh, what's the purpose of this? It's tough. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I feel there's a little more sexuality in this one, at least uh, innuendos. Mm, I'm interested to hear these because yes. I don't think I it went over my head. <laughs> so you want to get into this, but this is a this is the quiz show. Yeah, let's episode. get into it. The quiz, you know, it's based off that movie actually, quiz show. In 1957, America's favorite program was a quiz show. You have 21. I'd like you to meet next week's challenger, Charles Van Doren. But the game was fixed. You lose when I tell you to lose. That little box in your living room is plugged into something crooked. And so there was real scandals in the 1950s where these quiz shows were kind of cheating and they would have things like there was a quiz show called 21 and they would have a contestant basically be coached by the producer and allow the opponent to win. So it was all rigged. A lesser guy wants to humiliate Betty by having her on this quiz show and her partner, I think it was like her history teacher, and they're going to be up against Professor Answer. Professor Answer. Mr. Answer, yes. The man with the highest IQ ever measured. Yes. Because you can't really measure an IQ. Right. I was going to say that it was was her seventh grade teacher that she had. That she... Mrs. Uh, Thistle. Ruth does a really good job of explaining this. You see, it's all very simple. Professor Answer takes on all comers. This week, Betty and her seventh grade school teacher are going to compete with the professor. Now, each side takes turns answering questions. And whoever has the most money at the end of the game gets all that money, plus whatever the other team has won. It's winner take all. And what's exciting about it is that someone could win as much as $64,000. No, no. You know, it sounds like just the thing Mr. Zablotnik loves. You seem to be... $64,000! President Bud is furious because, like, how are we going to pay for this? Yeah. And then Lester is like, don't worry. That money is actually uh, going to be donated 
by like a charity that he's a board member of that doesn't exist. He's the only member. He's the uh, only yeah. member. Yes. The Society Against the Use of Green Woods in Orphanages. And so he made up this fake company, <laughs> but the whole purpose is just to take the money and then give it back. Mr. Answer is going to donate that money to this charity that's then going to go right back to the company. The whole premise is it's going to be rigged. It is a variety show like Saturday Night Live. And so... A quiz show seems a little bizarre to me that they're putting on, on a variety show. Yeah. And then you have real money. And then so when we get to actually announcing the quiz show, they announce Lester as Mr. Malcolm. To me, that's bizarre. So it's not even Lester. It's like a character. Mi- a character. It's one thing for like Saturday Night Live to have the Family Feud or Jeopardy mm-hmm. quiz show, but it's not real. It's a funny little thing. This is a real stakes on money. It's, to me, it's a little awkward and weird. Lester's making up his name, so why not just make everybody's name and not make it real and just make it funny? I, yeah. I mean, I guess you have to have, the whole point is that he wants to destroy Betty, but it's just... It's a little bizarre, and I, I get it in some ways. I get, like, oh, we want to make a... It, it just doesn't fit in the model of a sketch comedy. Yeah. Or it's a variety show. So in a variety show, I guess it does work, but it is odd. It's odd because I felt like it was its own show, you know? Yeah, and that's where you're coming from. Yeah, that's why I got confused. Yeah. I felt like it was its own thing. The producer Dwight here has allergies and he starts sneezing and mm-hmm. he's a kind of a mess and he's sick. That's a running theme throughout this episode. Oh, here yes. That he's not feeling well. I like his character too. Yeah. I like He's his... a great actor and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A stage handler goes by and Lester and Nicole, Bud Waller's assistant, they're kissing. I didn't realize they were in a relationship actually. I thought she was like really in love with him and she seemed to be all over him in previous episodes. I really just thought he t- he just put up with her like she's a fan or something. I think it's it's because well someone likes him and it's a female yeah. and they're at the workplace. Right. He takes advantage of that. Probably right. Yeah. yeah. And actually I did I went back to the pilot cuz I knew it didn't happen in, in no. episode 2 at all because they were kind of separated because they were all busy at the restaurant doing things. But I went back to episode 1 the pilot mm-hmm. and I actually realized there was a time where they were close to each other and he wipes his mouth and I realized, "Oh, they may have just kissed right before that. Uh, like, I, yeah, I realized I think you're he, right. But they didn't actually kiss, and I never saw that <clears> dynamic. <throat> so it was interesting to just be like that. It's like, oh, they've decided to structure it now where this is his kind of love interest. Yep. And, and maybe bring them closer together to hating Betty. Yes, but they're like a team. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what they con- – it seems like that's what they keep doing. They brought in President Bud there last week, and now they're bringing in Nicole in to be closer. And this is a kind of like <laughs> – Team against Betty, and then I don't know who Betty supporters. I guess everybody else loves Betty. It's funny that all these people who are horrible people team up, but they can't take her down because good conquers evil. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's great. And then there's a guy with a wheelbarrow. He's delivering mail. And, uh, Lester- oh, yeah, yeah. This is good. <laughs> she, he's, he's saying, I think, fan mail, fan mail. Yep. And like he stops at Lester, hands him one letter which I, or a postcard. A postcard. Right. And that's it. And then he keeps on going, Betty, the rest of the, And like he's got three bags of mail uh-huh. for his wheelbarrow. And the rest of it, he's yelling out for Betty because that's all of hers. Since you are on the show and see her a lot. Could you get Betty Hudson's autograph for me, ignorant Claude? <laughs> Can you get her autograph? And so it wasn't. He rips it up. It's like this wasn't even for me. It's like so. It's it's funny that they continue that. That this again the fan mail stuff. The fan mail guy. That was one of my favorite moments. Was the pile of bags and him getting that lonely postcard. Oh my goodness, have you been going to a gym? 
I'm just upset. That's all. I'm just upset. That's all. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I Cuz he was all like, it's like is he puffy? Is he, is he He's all red is, maybe? I don't know. Embarrassed? But is he is he like he's a stiff and strong because he's just upset? But it was yeah. just a, it, to me it was kind of a funny line. It was just kind of weird. Are you mad? No. No, no I mean it's like are you, have you been working out? No, I'm just mad. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't, too it, funny. I like it. Lester then does a rehearsal on Amber Jack's pipe connector commercial. Oh, God. It was so bizarre, that commercial. So, first of all, this is one of the sexual... Oh, this yeah, is a, I guess you're I right. This is a sexual, you're right. I actually thought this was going to go somewhere further throughout the story. But he's saying... Having trouble laying pipe? With the Amber Jack automatic connector, your pesky home plumbing problems can be as simple as... Why? The birds... And the bees. As simple as birds and bees. And he says, two pipes that need to be connected. And he talks about Mr. and Mrs. Pipe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like, you're it seems right. very sexual. I actually thought this was going to go further. I actually thought he was going to say all these lines later on in the live show. And pe- everybody else was going to realize this is a very sexual thing. And yeah. it didn't really play out that way. But it was funny. To me, it seemed obvious all these different things about the birds and the bees and the connecting and mm-hmm. Mrs. and Mr. Pipes. It's like, whoa, what are we saying? The machine comes in place. Does it does. It? Even it, does. That, it does. And even that I thought was a little weak. I feel like they're trying to take some of the good elements of episode one and have that kind of happen a lot. Yeah. You have the mishaps. And how many times can you do that? Like, things are going to go wrong. Yeah. And I that, like the goofiness, and I like some of that stuff, but yeah. But it reminds me of the dog commercial. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's a commercial set up in the beginning of the episode, and at the end of the episode, the commercial, something's going to go wrong. Right. And with this, it was it was weak with the machine. I liked your idea better. You, I mean, that would have been way better payoff. I think so. And I actually, at one point, like, you know, he's, he's doing the rehearsal for the commercial, and uh, Betty's looking around, and I thought maybe Betty was the only one that got the sexual references. Like, everybody else is just kind of nodding. Yeah, great commercial, great commercial. And Betty's actually looking around. It's like, oh, they're going to pay it off to be like... She knew it the whole time. The whole time. And it didn't go that way. Maybe it was on the cutting room floor. I don't know, but... Yeah. It seemed to me like she was the only one that got it. Me, Betty and me, we understood it was a sexual <laughs> innuendo there. Aww. And then they have a sign they brought in that, about Winner Takes All, which is the name of the quiz show. And the, it's spelled wrong because the director, you know, the director he there. He has an accent. He has that accent. W-E-N-N-A-R, Wenar, takes is spelled T-U-K-A-S. And all is U-L-L. Now, here's the thing, too. So my mind must be in the gutter for this episode, because I was almost going to say, is it saying, like, Wiener? Wiener uh, took us, as in butt? <laughs> Wiener took us all? Yeah, it kind of looks... Uh, you know, when he said it, that's what it sounded like. Yes. It sounded he, like Wiener took us all. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> when he said it, it even made more sense. Yes, thank you, Brian. And guess what? When the, when the live show goes, the announcer actually says it. Now it's time for Wiener Took Us All. Yes, because he's reading he's it. He's reading it. So so even the announcer got the card wrong. Like, yes. it's a Wiener Take, take, us, take, all. take us All. Oh, oh man. man. So, wow, this is all coming. I mean, I, I got <laughs> it, but it, was, it didn't, wasn't blatant, I guess, in yeah. my mind. And so the stage handlers, you know, they have to get the sign right. They, I don't think they have four hours, I think Ruth says. They have four hours. And somehow they get their hands stuck together and they walk off with because they're messed there. Yep. But that, again, will play off later on. Yeah. I think about Saturday Night Live. I don't really like many quiz shows or game shows. I like maybe Family Feud and Jeopardy from Saturday Night Live, but I yes. never think they really work half the time. Saturday Night Live, when they did Celebrity Jeopardy, was the best. Was yes, the, the best. best. The best. Now, when they do Family Feud, 
it works when they introduce the families because it's always funny the impressions. Yes. But when they have so many celebrities on the panel, by the time they do all the introductions, they only do one or two things. Yes. And it's over quick. I guess that's the point. Yeah. But I really wish they'd bring Celebrity Jeopardy back. Yes. And in, in this Lester Guy show, it's not even a parody if it's a game show. It is a real game show. That's not funny. Right. It's just a real game show. Yes. And I guess we keep comparing the Lesser Guy show to Saturday Night Live, but it is a variety show. So variety always doesn't have to be funny. When Saturday Night Live first started, it was more of a variety show. Yeah. Because they had... Oh, yeah. The first season, you had musical guests, it, it, like, not the setup, but you would have a musical guest in the beginning. You would have George Carlin doing stand-up. Right. And you also had section with Sesame Street with with the oh, yeah, Jim Hippets yeah. Muppets. Right, wow. And it was really a variety show because not everything was funny. Yeah. Anyway. Andy Kaufman, there's somebody he comes out, has a record, Mighty Mouse. Yeah, he's <laughs> just right. the Mighty Mouse. Allergies directing up Mr. McGonagall. Every year about this time they turn my life upside down. <laughs> So now we get back to Dwight, the producer there, where he's sick. He's seeing spots. He's not feeling well. The director knows a doctor that can help him out. And mm-hmm. the doctor is Dr. Winky. And we learn right away he's a veterinarian. Yes. <laughs> and there's a dog going into his uh, case and smelling stuff. And they, he's got, like, potions and stuff. And he gives one to Dwight. And all right away, he's all better. Because my he- dogs, dogs love the medicine I give them. <laughs> Spots are gone. One drop and only one drop, and then it gets dangerous if you use too much. And they have, like, a glowing red around them, and so it's, like, some kind of magical... Mm -hmm. They turn into Dougie from season three, you know? (laughs) (laughs) In the dressing room, uh, Betty is nervous about doing the game show. Mm -hmm. And I think she got nervous because... <laughs> she, she started trying to ask answer questions, and there wasn't even time to answer questions. It's like, no, we're we're just trying to talk. And yeah, that goes to my one of my favorite quotes. My favorite quote of this episode is Lester Guy says, "Betty, can I ask you something?" And Betty responds, "Is that a question? Is that a question? Yeah. Like she's all confused. I'm like it's a question, but not part of the game show. But she's thinking it's a question for the game show. She's thinking very hardly. She wants to be prepared for this game show. Yes. She does, I'm sure she doesn't want to disappoint her teacher. I know. That's a big disappointment there. So, you know, Lester comes into the dressing room and he just wants to wish her good luck. He mm-hmm. wants things to go really well. And he decides just to ask her a question just for the fun of it. And he says, what is the only state in the union with one syllable? And she uh, gets it wrong. I believe she says Hawaii. And, he's and like, it says, perfect. perfect. I, he turns into like one of those villains with a mustache. Yes. And he should be curling it. Uh, ha, ha. And it's, it's working just as I planned. Yeah, it's turning into a Looney Tune cartoon where she is the Roadrunner and he is Wild E. Coyote. Meep, meep. Yeah, pretty much. The live show starts, and Lester, like I said, he's at the light post again. So that's how it starts. You know, you have oh, the, yeah. the announcer, you see the tower there, mm-hmm. and then you go right to Lester, and he's doing his miming, he's doing his thing. He doesn't, he doesn't dance around the light post and fall over like he did in the pilot, but he's just kind of uh, miming away, listening to the music. And then the stagehanders walk into the scene while it's live, and they're still stuck together, and they're just walking by. It's like... Why, what is it What is it about the uh, production people that don't realize when there's a live show you don't walk onto set? Yeah, I know. <laughs> there was a duck in the last episode, and there's a duck now sitting on the seats with the company suit people. He's just quacking away there. Yeah, it's like the animals just come and they can't leave. Like, we had yeah. a dog, and now right. we have a duck. Yeah, I want to see how many more animals we get by the time the show ends. 
And so Lester has started the, the quiz show, and he asks Betty, who'd you bring on to help you win this money? And she says, what's the question? And then Ruth <laughs> tells Betty, who is your partner? And Betty says, my father's dead, and my mother is home watching. So I think she thought he, uh, Ruth said, who are your parents? Yes, yes. Oh, God. It's already started off. You're already like, oh, Betty's going to lose. <laughs> so what if she lost? American loves her. They wouldn't be like, I hate that girl now. You think it's all ego? It's all for him. He doesn't care about what the viewer thinks. It's all about humiliating her. Yeah. And I think that it's all ego driven. Because say this plot went the other way. Say it did humiliate her like she lost i could see the writers coming up with he's like aha we humiliated you live on the air and then she gets a tons of mail saying oh my god that was so bad yeah. and giving donating her money <laughs> wouldn't that have been great that too? would have been good like, you should have wrote this episode i know donating uh, like a couple bucks to her and then he would have been like what the heck so the quiz show starts and both sides are getting answers right but then Mr. Z's red phone uh, calls Bud, and he's upset that he found out about this money. That yes. they get. So here's the interesting thing about Mr. Z. We get to meet him in person in the restaurant, and we talk about how funny and silly he is, and he's so happy. Yeah. And you have this red phone, which I guess you never hear the person talk, but you always get the sense that this person's going to be very angry. We have fire and water. Right. We have water in this one. Yes. But it's funny. Like, that, to me, is not the same person I met in the restaurant. It's like, it's strange the how... Continuity's off. There. Right. It's like, so are you saying he's funny and bubbly with Betty, and then when he gets back to his office, he's pissed off the, the way things are going? I can see how you can have both characters, but I don't think it's the same. It shouldn't be the same person. No. Like, you're right. It doesn't make any sense after seeing episode two. It doesn't make any sense. I totally agree. Like, why would water come through the phone? Uh, like, fire is anger, but water right. to me seems... You're all washed up. I mean, yeah. your career is over. I know. Isn't I that weird? Know. Yes. That was a weird one. Yes. I like the fire gag would have right. been great again. I mean, again, I, I think you're right when you said they're going back to episode one and they're trying to kind of make that again. I feel like that. Yeah. This one, yeah. We're going to Blinky. They're doing the sounds while Mr. Answer is, is going to answer the question. You have 30 seconds, Professor. So many different sounds in the universe. Infinitesimal. Each combination means different things to different people. Blinky Watts is not blind. He suffers from Bozeman simplex. If we were to see what Blinky is seeing right now, it would look something like this. Blinky is a great character. Every episode we get to know about how he can see much better than us. It's yeah, wearing it's thin. <laughs> and they, they have to have an announcer tell you. Yes. Every time. So originally, I believe uh, Blinky was going to be blind. And the ABC people said, oh, you can't do that. That's offensive. So then that's where he came oh. up with this concept that he has better vision. His vision is so amazing that he, he can't, can't really see. see. That he's blind. Yes. But uh, yeah. So that's. So. I love that. David Lynch thinking out of the box. Right. If you, if you want him blind, I'll make him see better than you can. What if he's like, I want him to be. Like in a wheelchair. Yeah, oh, you can't have him in a wheelchair. Be like, all right, he can walk so fast that he has to be in a wheelchair or he'll break his legs. Yes, there yes, you go. That's right? what he would do. Certain people find certain sounds unpleasant. Nope. And all of a sudden there's a different sound and it freaks Mr. Answer out. And he gets his question wrong. But I don't know if Blinky did that on purpose or if it was just coincidence that he says some sounds affect people differently. And all of a sudden there's a sound and 
Mr. Answer gets it wrong. I was trying to figure that out. It's like, are they are they rooting for Betty, and so they're trying to throw I, I Mr. Think, answer off his game? I think they are. I think uh, secretly they are rooting for Betty. So they take a break, and I think they need a break partly because Betty's team is winning. And during the break, Miss Thistle, who's Betty's teacher, says, I just wish my friends back home could see this. Why couldn't they? I'm sorry. Don't your friends have televisions? Oh, yes, but this is a rehearsal, isn't it? <laughs> this, this, this is the Blotnik Network. Millions of people are watching. Right now? Millions of people are? Possibly even hundreds of thousands. Millions of, oh. Oh, no. I... Live television. Millions of people are watching, and she freaks out. See, that was a rehearsal. <laughs> she thought it was a rehearsal. And she's like, millions, millions, millions. And, and she gets close to the camera. I mean, it's, we're still on break here, so it's not live. But she gets her and she screams into the camera. Yes. There, and she just runs off, and she's freaked out. And... President Bud sees this and he's uh, he's excited. It's like, yeah. oh, this is a good time to start the show again. Maybe we can get make it come back. Yeah. yeah. While uh, this is happening, Dwight is taking he's turning more, into a dog slowly. He's tur- taking more of the potion, and the dog jumps on him and spills the potion all over him. Yes, and it absorbs, and he gets it in him, and he becomes. It's like when you watch an old show and someone does coke, they become really quick and frantic. Yes, it's sort of like that, but he's a dog. Right. He's a frantic dog. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lester is actually doing the, the, the pipe connector commercial. And that's why I was disappointed that he didn't get very far. He was told to go back to the quiz show and he didn't put the connection back into the machine. Yes. And I guess that's it. But I, I guess I wanted more of that commercial because you set it up before and now it's kind of just like, I'm just going to leave this here and go back to the quiz show. And I don't know. It's Miss opportunities. A lot, maybe. A Plus, lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so he gets back. He's like, oh, you, you know, Miss Thistle's not here, so let's just start. You're going to have to do it by yourself, Betty. And so she's going to start, and that's when Dwight comes in <laughs> acting like a dog, picking up Betty's purse with his mouth, and then going over to uh, Lester and just, yeah, just acting like a dog. I yeah. think he barks. I think he Yes, he and he's like, he's kind of panting. The potion comes out of his mouth. And he's back to normal. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's, it's so, so bizarre. Is it really out there? It's even really out there for what we've seen in the last two episodes. It's so scary to say the last two episodes were more grounded. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that scary? Because right. those were crazy. But this is like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. And then uh, there's a woman watching the show and her dog howls back. And yes. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's kind of cool, yeah. yeah. Could you repeat the question, Lester? And so when uh, Dwight becomes normal again, he asks to repeat the question. And that's when Lester says, okay, you've got a new partner. Uh, He's a super genius all of a sudden. He's answering stuff. So then Lester says he repeats the question that he knew Betty wouldn't get. And Mm -hmm. he says, what is the only state in the union? And he gets cut off Maine from Dwight. Dwight. It backfired where he thought it was a sure win because he knew she didn't have the answer that. You have a partner that was able to get it. Couldn't Miss Thistle, probably, who's a teacher, wouldn't she have gotten this right anyway? But she was nervous. She didn't want to be in camera No, anymore. no, but he didn't know that originally when when he went to the dressing room. I know. See, okay, it was, it's very problematic. Saying, it's right, very problematic. Uh, if, if Mrs. Thistle had stayed <laughs> in the game, this, yeah, yeah, you don't think, they would have won. Yeah. They would have won. And it's weird to think the only reason that Betty was going to suffer is that she she thought she was in rehearsal. If the teacher had known the whole time, 
they would have won this unless they started asking really hard questions. But clearly, that's not a hard question because yes. Dwight the dog got it. <laughs> Dwight I don't know. the dog. It is very... Uh, yeah, it, don't think too hard about it. All right. And so then Lester goes as Mr. Answer a question about children's rhymes. So that's going to be that. And that freaks Mr. Answer out because he says, I'm sorry. I was never allowed to learn any rhymes. I was never allowed to be a child. Who cares? I'm ruined. It's and all it's- circumstantial. <laughs> all this. This is like, it's just, it's all because of the writer. You know, like, because of the writers. That, that's so weird. You have this, the guy with the biggest IQ, and all right. of a sudden he's like, I, I can't But I think rhymes. the concept is, is that in some ways Betty is a child. She acts like a child, and, and the child is smarter than the smartest man. What was that game show? Smarter uh, than a fifth grader? Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, it's some, maybe they got the idea from this maybe episode. Maybe they did. So you think you're smarter than a fifth grader. That's it. Yeah. And then for some reason, out of nowhere, the Amber Jacks pipe connector is up in the rafters, and there's a handler who's taking care of it. Like, why is it in the rafters? We have a pipe that goes to an empty aluminum tank. Easy does it. Lovely. On my right, we have a pipe that goes to a tank on the top of our building. And as the handler's handling it, it sprays all over the place. Wait, what about the mystery question? Get it? What? Get it? What? I'm playing! Show me this switch! What? Sprays all over the place. Gets on Dwight, and then Dwight does He, he kind of wakes up from his whole... Yeah. Smart dog thing. Right. Yeah. I still wanted that connector to be, I don't know, I feel like it could have been handled better. Like, you set it up, and it was just kind of... They didn't know where to go with it. Yeah. I don't think they knew a lot, like, in this episode. I felt like they're repeating a lot from episode one, and their their setups don't pay off. And maybe that's why the show didn't last very long. And yet... The next episode that aired on July 4th is a great episode. It's a fun episode. And now it's time for the mystery question. Now remember, if you miss it, you forfeit all your winnings. And then the final question, it has to do with a Scottish play. In what is known as the Scottish play, Act 5, Scene 1, contains what famous outburst of guilt and remorse? Dwight and Betty both say together, Spot. And that just happened to be the na- the reference in the play. It's all, and they win it. Yeah, it is all circumstance. It's all because the writers wanted it to be. It's you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. very predictable and out damn spot because they're talking to the dog licking. Yes. And that happens to be the answer, just like Mr. Answer happens to be have a fear of rhyming. Yes. But that's the question he gets. It's uh, very weird. Yeah. I mean, the, the good guys always win. I know. Uh, I have to say, it's a little lazy writing. This is a little. This is kind of more of a lazy writing episode. Yeah, I. Well, it's weird because like I like the concept of using quiz scandals. I like the idea that the 1950s. So they're in 1957. Yeah, so the idea makes of sense. like using real world scandals. I think that was brilliant. I just don't. It didn't quite work for me. It's 22 minutes long. They don't really have the backing of the network. They're putting the show out. You know, and they're trying to repeat episode one. There's a lot of setups that don't pan out. And I'm, I, I, I'll go back and say, it's not totally lazy writing. It's probably writing of a rush product, writing of 
really not knowing this show yet. And you know, and to be honest with you, there's so many shows that took a long, oh, some time to find themselves. Yeah, I mean, you think about shows like Star Trek: Next Generation. You have things where it took a season or at least where they still really found their characters and who they were and mm-hmm. where the story wanted to be. And that's, it's unfortunate the, this never got the chance to really yeah. find themselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is episode three out of seven, so I mean, there's still development there. Yeah, and so the show ends with the dog <laughs> reading the paper and. <laughs> I think he's talking as well. So it basically the dog has become the human, uh-huh. and the human was the dog. It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's really out there, and it's like, I guess for me too, it, it's not what I thought the show was or is. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't think of on the air as this magical. It's very know. cartoonish. This one. I mean, I'm hoping episode four becomes a little bit more grounded because when I wanted cartoonish, you cut the blinky. And you, you see yeah, his wacky. I like, that. I like the you know, wacky stuff. You for have a certain second. characters yeah. that are wacky, but this is wacky through everything, right? And everybody, and it is kind of like it's like watching Roger Rabbit or something. It's yeah, just very it's, out act, there. it's funny because it kind of what happened with Twin Peaks. You had some wacky characters. Let's say Nadine, mm-hmm. who was a little out there and a little weird and strange, and then you get into season two a whole show can kind of be wacky where you have little Nikki and you have all these other things where it was okay to have like serious stuff going on and then have a little wacky and serious stuff Mm -hmm. but when it takes it over where it kind of loses yeah you didn't have Cooper taking medicine to become a dog and you didn't have Harry all of a sudden go on a quiz show you had certain characters that maintained that wackiness that was still grounded Andy Lucy like you said, but you, you weren't making everybody that way. Yeah. And this episode kind of just throws the, just says, okay, we're all nuts. Everybody's wacky. It's okay. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's the weakest one out of the three. Yes. Definitely. I think I like two so far. Yeah, I agree with you. One and two. Yes. I don't know which one's better, but right. I enjoy them both. Yeah. Yeah. I might go with one just because I feel like that's the concept of what the show should still be. Like, still, I still like the idea of the rehearsal and then you perform it and kind of seeing where things go wrong. Oh, I, I want to mention one of my other favorite quotes. When Dwight joins Betty on the panel, Guy says, let's all get down on our hands and knees and look for Professor's Answers IQ. And Dwight, confused as he is actually starts to get on his hands and knees to look for his IQ. And it was metaphorically, like, they're getting ready to play round two. I don't have much more to say about this episode. It was okay. I, like I said, I like Bob Angles. I like his work. I don't, I don't know. I just didn't connect with this one. Hmm. What I do have to say is I don't think we've mentioned this on the last two shows. But, you know, on the first episode, we talked about how Lynch... It, this idea just came to him. He was, I think he was mixing it during season two of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. and this whole idea of things going wrong came to him. Well, Mark Frost also had a whole idea about this as well, and I just thought I'd share that oh, with you. Oh, okay. So this was from uh, The Independent on August 22nd, 1992. Mark Frost says in this article, My father used to work in live television, told us stories about it, and when I talked to David about the subject, he just loved the idea of all the backstage chaos and really took the lead with it. I wrote a lot of the material with particular actors from Twin Peaks in mind. We built up sort of a repertoire company, and the humor grew out of the funny parts of Twin Peaks, which are really the parts I'm most pleased with. 
Oh, wow. At least when he was thinking of this, he thought about what his father had done in the past. I also love that he shared that he wanted Twin Peaks actors to be part of this. Of course, That's we cool. have Ian Buchanan in this, and of course, we have Miguel Fiera in this. And um, we have uh, the director who was part of this from Twin Peaks. I wonder if Kimmy Robertson should have been Betty or th- was thought about being having her be Betty. Because, boy, Lucy and Betty seem similar to me. You know, I like the actress who plays Betty. I'm glad it's not Lucy because it's kind of – they're a little bit different. They're okay. similar. You know what I compare them to, though? Do you remember when Friends and Mad About You, when Phoebe had her twin sister that was a Mad About You? Yes. That was sort of, that's sort of like, All they right. could be sisters. Yeah, they could be sisters. Uh, they could be sisters. I don't, it's weird. Betty's more childlike, kind of innocent, where Lucy, she is strong-willed. And, like, if you put Lucy's character in this episode, she would have just punched Lester Guy out. <laughs> I really swear to God, I think Lucy has that in her to yeah. be like, when she was up against Dick, yeah, played by the same actor, right? she was not happy. Like, if that show came out today, she'd probably be flipping them off. Like, when they're all doing the whole wine tasting, she's... You know, you're right. You make great points. Thinking back in the first season, when there was a whole idea that she was pregnant and she wouldn't talk to Andy, she she gave Andy a hard time about, yes. like, I'm mad at you and stuff. So you're right. She's a little uh, tougher than uh, Betty is. She is. I think Betty would just be kind of like... But so Kimmy could do it. Kimmy could do anything. She yes. could play uh, Betty di- different from Lucy. You're right. You're right. It's true, though. Maybe you're, you're right. like their cousins, or you're saying sisters. I yeah. do feel like there's some similarities of like I don't even. I hate using the word dumb, or I'm trying to think of a word that I'm trying to think that they're they're not always understanding their environment. Uh, yeah, I think they're almost they're naive. They're yeah. a little naive. They're more innocent in a way of the the their surroundings they're not pay- they're they're paying attention you just don't know it yeah maybe and in future episodes we'll come back to this i think in future episodes betty will do some things that are like lucy and so we'll revisit this again okay i do agree that kimmy could have played this character yeah but i'm happy she didn't i agree the actress who plays betty in this she does a great job yeah it's yeah. just i'm just but I'm, she could have yes yeah and i'm just thinking about mark frost as he's laying down like the idea of different characters he say okay I could see Ian playing yeah. this character, and I could see, see Miguel Lucy. playing yeah. this, and I could see Kimmy probably playing this, or or we want a, a Lucy-like character. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I, I do agree there. So if you want to get to some reviews, I got two reviews in an email. Okay, sounds good. So it's getting harder and harder to find reviews on, on the air, as you can tell. But I got a couple. I got two. Edward wrote on YouTube, There needs to be a balance. David Lynch's comedy works when there is an unsettling and opposite mood slash theme. Full-on David Lynch comedy is like full-on Michael Bay action. It's too much and loud. And Edward had wrote this, uh, you know, in the comment section of episode three. Um, And, you know, David Lynch didn't have anything to do with this episode. I mean, he didn't write it. He didn't direct it. But I get what what Edward's saying. His absurdity does work when, like uh, Wild at Heart, you have a moment where William Defoe walks in and he says to Lula, I got to I got to use the head. And it's a it's a joke. Because he says, I'm not going to pee in your head. i got to use the bathroom. Right. And that's a joke. But then, seconds later, after he's peed for a very long time, and it's kind of unsettling and kind of funny, he goes into some really 
sadistic and horrible dialogue. And that's the funny, absurd to the uh, the mood switch between funny and absurd and just kind of scary. I see this person's point. Lynch's comedy works when you have a flip of the switch. But David Lynch didn't have anything to do with this episode. I think Lynch probably could have improved this episode. Yeah. I... I keep hearing that he was more involved with this than he was Twin Peaks, but... His name doesn't show up anywhere, I mean, for writing or directing, so... No, you're right. No, you're right. And it is so funny. I mean, this is so true with even Twin Peaks. People would consider every episode to be David Lynch's. And we know from doing this show, he wasn't. He wasn't involved with anything, but his stamp is on. This is like David Lynch's Twin Peaks. So whatever, for the good things that happen, David Lynch gets credit. For the bad things that happen, David Lynch gets credit. credit. So In a way, it kind of works out for the people who don't want to deal with the bad things. Right. I feel bad for, I feel sometimes bad for Mark Frost, who worked hard on that show, and Mm -hmm. he doesn't always get all the credit he deserves. It's his show, too. Right. It's his show, too, And but you have a director that is out there more. Yeah. So that was an interesting uh, comment, but I, 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 I get what this person's coming from. And then also Mike wrote on YouTube, I love David Lynch, but I did not find this show funny at all. Oh, <laughs> um, I, it's not his cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, I'm really uh, scraping the bottom uh, of the barrel here, but we did get a very nice email from a longtime listener, Jamie. Jamie wrote, hey guys, just wanted to say that I'm loving the on-air coverage, and I'm watching along, which I love that idea. That's awesome. For the first time since I've never seen it before. So he's watching along with us, which is great, and I'm hoping more of you do that. All the episodes are on YouTube. Please watch along with us. I'm really enjoying it. I can see that the slightly screwy mix of strange characters and sight gags is not for everyone, but I'm loving it. If somebody asks me to describe what its tone is like, it feels to me as if it's somewhere between something very silly like Police Squad, which, yes, Police yes, Squad. Remember great, the, yes, I do remember that. That's a good example. So if everybody remembers The Naked Gun, yep. I didn't learn this till much I was older. I remember watching Police Squad with my grandfather. I remember The Naked Gun movies, but I didn't know they were related. And I'm like, oh, so the Naked Gun movies were based off the TV show Police Squad, which I never got. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw them in reverse. I uh, saw the Naked Gun movies first and then reruns at Nick at Night or wherever. But Police Squad was an awesome comedy. Uh, Le- Leslie Nielsen. Oh, yeah. Funny stuff. Yeah. Really funny stuff. More slapsticky. I think the comedy was more refined. I think you had some people in there that, w- that knew comedy. Um, not saying these people who don't, but these people lived and breathed comedy. So I think it was a little bit different. But I, I totally agree. Very silly police squad in the affectionate satire of some of the Coen Brothers films, especially the Hudsucker Proxy, a film that is a favorite of mine. And also mine, too. The Hudsucker Proxy was my first Coen Brothers movie I ever saw when I was a teenager. I've seen a lot of Coen Brothers. I don't remember seeing Tim Robbins. Movie. Wow. You, you gotta see it. I feel like there's a hula, is a hula hoop. Yes. All right. Yes. I don't know if I've he seen it. He falls off the skyscraper. It was the first one I ever saw from Coen Brothers. Didn't even know it. I was like a teen. I would go rent my movies on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, And it was a great one. I, cool. That was cool, Jamie. I like that. Thanks as always. As a bearded man, I support more beard growth. And I think it's because he says that because I think, Jamie, I believe it was you. Someone said, I thought Ben is the one with the beard. Yes. 
But I was like, oh, Brian's got the beard because they saw us on our live video when we did the the card opening. Yes, and uh, I think I said I could grow my beard, but you know what? Honestly, my kids like me without a beard, and so I don't know. I probably won't get a beard. I hate so, shaving, so I will always. I don't have a love beard. shaving. I'm like the worst shaver. I probably shave every few days or something. I'm like really bad. Like. Uh, uh, when I worked in the restaurant industry, I had to oh, shave, yeah. and I hated it. One co-host with the beard and one without. without the so beard. We, yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. But thank you so much for the email, Jimmy. It means a lot to us. And, you know, sometimes we get emails from everybody. We don't have the time to write back, but we do appreciate them. So keep yeah. them coming, please. And um, it, yeah, we'd love to hear what you th- if you've seen this episode or there's another episode of On the Air that you want to talk about, write to us at... Twin Peaks Unwrapped at gmail.com. Yes. And before we wrap up, Ben, Nancy Ferguson, who plays Ruth Truthworthy, which there's a fabulous article in uh, The Woman of Lynch, Blue Rose Magazine. Oh, yeah. In issue seven there. On newsstands now at bluerose.com. Bluerosemag.com. Go, go get that. She recalls her experience working on the show. For me, it was like a David Lynch comedy. How amazing is that? What could it possibly be, she says. I didn't see it as a departure. There's a darkness to David's work, but he always sees the light no matter how dark you go. Like with Twin Peaks, yes, it's dark, but there's this delightful side in a lot of the moments, which is pretty much David when you see him as a human being. And that kind of goes back to what Edward said on YouTube. Hmm. You have a light and dark. Yeah. And she saw that. So, Ben, that is On the Air Episode 3. It was something. We enjoyed it overall. On the Air is worth watching. Yeah, it's still a fun character. Miguel Ferreira always is amazing. Steals the show. Steals the show every time. Betty, the girl, the woman who plays Betty, she steals the show. I'm really looking forward to seeing episode four to see what happens next. Yeah, me too. So like Jamie, please follow along. The shows are on YouTube. Watch them. And hopefully we'll be wrapping up on the air by the end of the year. That's our goal. That's our goal. We got a lot of great stuff in store for the end of 2018. So please stick with us. Subscribe to us on the good old iTunes. Give us that five-star review. A nice little comment at the bottom is always welcome. Also, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. And uh, we appreciate everybody who voted for us in the podcast awards. We were nominated. We did not win. But maybe we'll do it next year. We just were happy to get nominated. I love um, being nominated. I mean, to be to be part of 10 podcasts that have been nominated for this category. Globally. Worldwide. Yeah. In TV and film. I think that's a great honor. And I'm always happy for that. Yeah. So thank you so much for everybody who did vote for us. That means the world to us. Without you guys, we wouldn't be doing the show. And if you'd like to support us a little bit, check us out at Tee Public. Buy a shirt, phone case, a mug. The holidays are coming up. You can buy it for a loved one, for yourself. Give yourself a present, like Cooper would say. And you can give us an email, TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. Um, and uh, like us on Facebook. And how is the, the Twitter going, Ben? Twitter's awesome. I love the community. I love the pictures and all the things that they share. There's people out there that like make connections to the show that I just love. Like they they see stuff from the original series and they bring it. I love that stuff. That stuff is just I love it. You know, I have to retweet it. It's like, oh wow, I never thought of it this way and stuff. So yeah, yeah. some really clever, creative people. Yeah, awesome. All right, Uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week.
interesting. How very, very interesting.